Good morning, Sunset. Very good to see you. <clears throat> a quick show of hands, how many of you uh, like camping? Anybody like camping? Okay, that's more than I expected to see, to be honest. Okay, very good. Well, for me, I mean, I like camping um, for the first 10 minutes, usually. And, you know, I just, walls were invented for a reason. You know, when it's hot outside, there's AC for a reason. And, you know, who wants a bed of rocks when you can have, you know, a foam mattress, right? So that's sort of where I lie on the, on the camping side of things. But, but I do enjoy, enjoy camping if I'm with somebody who knows what they're doing, okay? Because I've, I've been camping with people, right, who would forget essential things like the stove or a sleeping bag, and it's no fun, okay? Because a big part of this camping experience for me is when I get to sit around the little fire, the campfire, okay, and stuff my face with s'mores, okay, all in the name of being out in nature or something or other, right? Get to eat my s'mores and eat all sorts of junk food because, yes, I'm being healthy and active and out in nature. But see, there are these, you know, there are these shows like Survivor and Alone. Anybody watched Alone, okay, where, where these people are trying to rough it out in the wilderness, Okay? And see, for them, the fire is not, simply about, uh, is not simply an accessory to their experience. It is vital to their experience. It is critical. It is critical to their survival, to their success. That's how important the fire is to them. And there is a fire that is critical to our lives, to our experience, to our lives as the children of God, and that is, in fact, the Word of God. Consider this description by the prophet Jeremiah. Chapter 20, verse 9, he says, But if I say I will not remember him or speak any more in his name, then in my heart it becomes like a burning fire, shut up in my bones, and I'm weary of holding it in, and I cannot endure it. See, the thing is, the Word of God is a fire. It is a fire that is critical to your life and to my life as children of God. We cannot survive without it. But here's the thing. Throughout history, there have been a number of people that have tried to snuff out that fire, that have tried to extinguish this fire. Very powerful people have tried to put it out. Consider the Roman Emperor Diocletian, okay? You've likely heard about Emperor Nero and the persecution that came against the church after the great fire of Rome, where, where Nero blamed, in essence, the fire on the Christians, and, and what followed was this ter terrible persecution. But, but under Nero, this persecution was really limited to the city of Rome. Under Diocletian, however, it spread empire-wide. He was the first emperor to pass laws against Christianity, outlawing the faith empire-wide. He ordered the destruction of the Scriptures and the persecution of Christians. Christians were not safe anywhere. The Word of God was not safe anywhere in the empire, and the empire essentially covered the whole world at the time. Many, many people were killed. Churches were scattered, but the Word of God prevailed. And closer to us in history, many communist regimes tried to do the same thing, whether it was the Soviet Union or the Pol Pot regime in Cambodia or the communist revolution under Mao Zedong in China, 
Each of these tyrants sought to exert totalitarian power over the people by eliminating the influence of religion. In fact, every single time a tyrant comes into power, one of the first things they do is go after religion and the clergy. Why? Because they are primarily the ones who guard this fire, this fire that, that is essential to the survival of the people of God. They go after them, they target them, they eliminate them. Many millions then were tortured, starved, many in the name of religious, under religious persecution. Bibles were burned, but the word of God still what? Still prevailed. It's with these things in mind that I want us to approach our text for this morning. We're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, and we're going to go through to chapter 2 and verse 2. We're in the series called Ignite, Living Bright in Dim Days. And really this letter, like the previous letter, the, the first letter to Timothy, is Paul's letter to his son in the faith about how he ought to live and conduct his life, and especially about what ought to be his relationship to the Word of God, to this fire that is so essential and crucial to his survival and well-being. So Paul will have specific instructions for Timothy in this passage, and I believe that there are some vital lessons that you and I can learn, that we can glean from Paul's exhortations to Timothy. I believe those apply to you and me today as well, and that's where we're going to be. So 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, and we're going to go through to chapter 2 and verse 2. I'll read. He tells him, Timothy... Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus, Hermogenes, Hermogenes. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. You then, my child, be strengthened in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others, excuse me, also. There is this, what I'm calling the threefold responsibility that Paul is exhorting Timothy to have towards the Word of God. Three things, three specific things that he's telling Timothy that he ought to do, ways in which he ought to relate to the Word of God. And the first is this, he tells him, Follow the pattern of the sound words in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. There are two terms then here that I want us to focus on. The first is the word follow. And you think of the word follow and you think about walking behind somebody as you're headed to the same destination. But really, a closer look of that word shows us that what's meant by follow is, is, is it, it's a way of saying, hold on fast. Hold on fast to this, grip it firmly, and don't let go. Okay, that's what he's telling Timothy here. Hold on fast to it and don't let go. And what he's telling him to hold on fast to is this pattern of sound words. Pattern of the sound words. Now, 
Any parents of first graders in here? Anybody? Okay. You're probably thinking, I know what sight words are, okay? I know what sight words are. What are sound words, okay? The word sound carries the meaning of uncorrupt or pure. What Paul is telling Timothy is that he ought to hold to the example of uncorrupted teaching that he has heard from Paul. Hold on fast to it, Timothy. Don't veer from it, Timothy. Your life depends on this, Timothy. Now, why would he tell him that? Why would he tell him that? Might Timothy be facing some challenges in this area? Perhaps as a young man, maybe there's temptation in his life. Temptation to sin and temptation to forget the promises of God to bless him and to deliver him. Might that be why Paul is encouraging him to hold on fast to these sound words? Might Timothy be facing opposition from, out, from outside? People that are against him, against what he's trying to do, against the word of God, against the work of God. And might Timothy be wondering if it's worth it to hold on to this teaching at all? I mean, think about this. His mentor, the one who's writing this letter, where is he writing from? He's writing Timothy from prison. What might be going on in Timothy's mind, you think? Might he be thinking, Paul, you held on to the teaching firmly. You didn't veer from it to the left or the right, and look where it's gotten you. Do I want that? Do I want that to happen to me? So Paul is telling him, hold on fast, because your life, your spiritual life, your faith, depends on it, Timothy. See, the challenge for you and me today is not that much different than what it was for Timothy. It's not so much that you and I don't have knowledge of these sound words. It's not so much that you and I don't know what God is communicating to us, what His Word is telling us. We have the knowledge. It's that when the going gets tough, it's really difficult to hold on. Because just like Timothy... You and I have to contend with sin, don't we? You and I have to contend with temptations that come our way, don't we? James says that, you know, we're, 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 we're led into sin by our own desires that are within us. Well, that's not exclusive to Timothy. You and I have to deal with it. So it's not that we don't know the Word of God. It's that we have to, it's difficult to hold on to the Word of God when those temptations come our way and try to pull us away. What about when we face opposition? Opposition, for, whether in our public or private lives, opposition to what you believe, opposition to what the Word of God says. We have to contend with that, don't we? Paul's admonition to Timothy, I believe, applies clearly to us today. The same challenges that Timothy faced all those years ago, you and I still face today. It's nothing new. And so what he's telling Timothy, I believe he's telling us, hold fast to the pattern of sound teachings because your life depends on it. Here's something concrete that you and I can do that'll give us the best shot at doing this. See, we live in a culture that is highly individualistic, right? When we think about our goals we set our goals and we pursue our goals 
largely independently. But that's not going to work here. It was never meant to work that way with us, the people of God. If we are to hold fast to the Word of God, despite the temptation that comes our way and despite the opposition that comes our way, we are going to have to do it together. None of this, uh, I'm a lone wolf business, okay? Some of us like to think of ourselves that way. The truth is we're not wolves. We're not. Often we are sheep that are easily snatched and devoured when we're away from the flock. So let's not kid ourselves that we've got this on our own. We don't. We need the strength that we have to offer one another if we're going to hold fast amid the temptation and the opposition that comes our way, if we are to hold on to this exhortation of Paul that he gives Timothy, we have to do it together. Look at the second thing that Paul tells him. He says, Timothy, I want you to guard the good deposit that has been entrusted to you. The, if, if you're using the New American Standard Bible, that word deposit is actually translated treasure. I love it. Paul's telling Timothy, Timothy, you've been given this precious treasure. Now guard it. Guard it. Protect it. Preserve it. What is this treasure exactly? What is this good deposit that Timothy is given? From the context, we see that it is the entire teaching of the Christian faith. It is the gospel of Jesus that he's been entrusted and all of the truths that are revealed in Scripture about it. It's the truth about who God is. It's the truth about who Jesus is. It's the truth about who you and I are in relation to God. The truth about sin, rescue from sin, the purpose of our lives, our holiness, all of that. That is this treasure that has been given to Timothy that was first given to Paul, and Paul is telling him, you guard it with your life, you protect it with your life. See, because Timothy did not just have to deal with tyrants. It wasn't just about these guys that, that like Diocletian and, 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 uh, and these, these people, these tyrants from these communist regimes that we saw. It's not just that they, they were coming after the Scriptures and wanted the Bibles burned. Timothy also had to deal with charlatans. These are people who abuse and distort the Word of God to make it say whatever they want it to say. It's people who cherry-pick the parts of Scripture that they like. They'll emphasize and highlight that and ignore or suppress the parts that cut against their agenda. You know, they care little for the truth, little for the consequences for the people who fall prey to their schemes. Is 21st century America much different? You know, there are some parts of the world, even today, where there are tyrants coming after the Word of God in very overt and explicit ways. But the threat that you and I face today is not so much Bible burning, it's Bible spurning. It is people silently questioning the Bible's authority in spiritual matters. It's people relegating its teachings as, as outdated. It's people undermining its importance to our faith and causing confusion by mixing it with other secular ideologies and philosophies. Are you able to guard the good deposit that's been entrusted to you? Are you able to discern error 
and distortion when you hear it. If I, if I were to say something untrue in my sermon, for example, would you pick it out? Would you even know that I said it? When you're on social media and you're watching these Facebook reels and these Instagram stories, these popular preachers and teachers talking about God, about Jesus, about the Christian life, are you able to sift the wheat from the chaff? The truth is that for many of us, we are passive and uncritical absorbers of that information. And that's dangerous to us. We don't realize that the ground beneath our feet is being eroded away when we do that. Here at Sunset, we highly value the Word of God. I mean, our, our, our songs, our Bible classes, our sermons, they're all geared to instilling knowledge of God's Word and a proper understanding of His will. That's what we're trying to do. Some of the kids, for example, right now are doing a Bible reading challenge. What is that about? Same thing, same purpose, same goal. If you have trouble discerning error or guarding this good deposit that has been given to you, you're in the right place to find help. This is what I want you to do. I want you to find either your Bible class teacher. Yay, Bible class teacher is more work for you. I want you to find your Bible class teacher or maybe your small group leader and ask them. Ask them very specific questions like this one. How do I respond? How do I respond to someone who says that there are many paths that lead to God and Jesus is just one of them? Are you able to give an answer to that question? If not, go find your Bible class teacher. Because that question is one of those hot questions out there. A lot of people okay, have that belief. Are you able to guard the good deposit? Ask them questions like this other one. Is there really such a thing as hell? Because a lot of people are telling me that there isn't. There are Christian preachers and teachers out there. I've come across several, okay, on my Facebook reels. Maybe I need to spend less time on Facebook, okay? Several who essentially deny that hell exists. Are you able to guard the good deposit? Ask them questions like this one. There are people who say that once you're saved, you can live as you want because the grace of God covers you. Is that true? What do I say to somebody who believes that and who's living that way? See, it's not just Timothy that had this responsibility to guard this treasure of God's Word. You and I do as well. And if you feel like you don't know how to do that, you're in, the be you're, you're in a great place. You're in a great place to find help. Go talk to your Bible class teachers. Go talk to your small group leaders or to somebody else that has walked this path before you, has some experience. Ask them, how do I do this? Before Paul's final exhortation to Timothy, there are three, he mentions three names. There are these three, what we find were Paul's uh, former co-workers. Co-workers that have now, that are not uh, uh, by Paul's side anymore. Paul says, all who are in Asia have turned away from me, Timothy. They've all turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus. Listen, I might be butchering these names, okay? Phygelus, but I'm just going with my, my pronunciation. Hermogenes, and, but he, and he especially seems to be pained by this one guy, Onesiphorus. And, and he tells us why, right? He says, Onesiphorus, man, he refreshed me often. 
and he wasn't even ashamed of my chains. I, I just pray that, on, that, that he will find mercy from the Lord. I pray that the Lord will bless his household because he's been, he was a great partner to me. What does this have to do with what he's been telling Timothy so far? I mean, he's told Timothy, follow the pattern of sound words, right? Hold fast to this teaching in your life. He's told him, guard the good deposit, Timothy, because there are attacks that come against it. And then all of a sudden, he goes into these really obscure names and people that we don't really know much else about. Why is he saying this here? Could it be that these men did not follow the pattern of the sound words? Could it be that they did not guard the good deposit that was entrusted to them? They've abandoned Paul, and they've presumably abandoned the faith. Could that be the result of them neglecting the Word of God in their lives? I think so. That's the most likely explanation. By neglecting the Word of God in their lives, they've shipwrecked their faith. And this is not the only place Paul will talk about this. He'll talk about things like this in 1 Timothy and other letters where he'll say these people, they failed to hold on to what they needed to hold on to and as a result have shipwrecked their faith. But you, Timothy, but you be different. Don't be like them. Pay attention to your life. Forget about them. Don't worry about them. Pay attention to yourself. That brings, that brings us to his final exhortation to Timothy. He says, all of these things that you have received from me, not just my teaching, but you've also seen me live, Timothy. You've seen the life I've carried out, the way I've conducted my life in these matters, in public and in private. All of these things I want you, Timothy, to entrust to faithful men who can then teach others. This pattern of sound words, this good deposit that you've received, Timothy, pass it along to others who can do the same for yet others. Now consider this. Consider our brothers and sisters in the faith who were persecuted, who were martyred for their faith throughout history. What would have happened, you think, if they had not faithfully entrusted the Word of God to others? What would have happened? What would have happened if they had kept all of that to themselves and then lost their lives? What if under duress they kept these life-giving words to themselves and let the rest of the world die in the darkness of ignorance? What would have happened? See, as important as it is to, for us to hold on fast to the Word of God in our own lives and to guard it against error and distortion, it is just as important for us to entrust to other people the Word so that they can carry it on. See, the challenge that we face here, I think, is while we, while we recognize the importance of the Word of God for our own lives, we seldom think of who's next, of what's coming next. They say that good leaders are people who are always looking to prepare the next generation. I believe that that axiom applies to us here. We, you and I, we must be intentional about entrusting the Word of God to whoever's coming next. 
there's something I think in this passage that if we're not careful can get overlooked. Not just this section that we're reading today, but this letter as a whole. In all this talk about, about Paul entrusting all of these glorious things to Timothy, let's not forget who came before Paul. Long before Paul exerted any influence in Timothy's life, who was there? Long before Paul exerted any influence in Timothy's life, there was his mama and there was his grandma teaching young Timothy, entrusting to young Timothy the words of the faith. See, they took seriously the command in the Shema in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 7 that says, let the words of, of, the, uh, let the, words of the Lord be on your heart and teach them diligently to your children. They took that seriously, evidently, and they'd, so they didn't just possess it in their own lives, but they were entrusting these words, these life-giving words to the next generation, specifically young Timothy. You know, if Timothy had won the Bible Bowl, he, will, he would have credited his mom and grandma first. Moms and dads, grandparents, cousins, in-laws, as you look to entrust the word to faithful men who can entrust others, don't overlook your own family. Don't overlook your own children. Bring up your little ones in the instruction of the Lord. Start them young. You know, the world isn't waiting for an appropriate age to pump filth and trash into their hearts and minds. Why should we wait? Why should we wait to give them words of life? Start them young and entrust these words to them, words that will save their souls. Whether tyrants or charlatans, many, many, many have tried and continue to try to extinguish the Word of God, this fire that gives us life and sustains our life. And yet, the Word of God has prevailed through the millennia because God has used faithful men and women to carry the fire forward. Men and women who hold fast to the sound words, men and women who, who guard this good deposit with their lives, as if their lives depended on it, because they do, and who faithfully entrust it to the next generation. Has the good deposit been entrusted to you? Have you heard the good news about Jesus? And if you have, what are you going to do with it? You can ignore it, you can suppress it, or you can hold fast to it in obedience. That's what we want to invite you to do this morning. We want you to hold fast to the Word of God in obedience to it. We want you to obey the gospel, clothe yourself with Christ in baptism, have your sins washed away, receive the Holy Spirit, and join us as we try to carry out these exhortations that Paul has for Timothy and consequently for us. Let this church help you do that this morning, or if there's any other way that this church can help you in your walk of faith, let us know as we stand and as we sing.